Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to the Short Baller Rugby Pass podcast. No Millsy, Mully Aino today. He's headed to the deep south, back to his birthplace, Invercargill. So he may never come home, but I hope he does. Meanwhile, I'm going to run the cutter on my own today. It's Scotty Stevenson with you. A big show coming up. A little later, we're going to talk to Andrew Swain out of Fox Sport Australia about the state of Australian rugby right now and also the final of the Super Rugby Women's competition that was run over there. Andrew was the lead commentator for that. Looking forward to getting his thoughts on the game. Also going to chat to Salika Winiata, our world champion Black Ferns fullback. She's on duty at the moment, chasing crooks around the Manawatu, but she's given us some time to chat on the pod today about a couple of things, the diversity campaign created by AIG and the All Blacks and Black Ferns, and also on the double headers planned for the Australian team and for the Black Ferns team during the uh, rugby championship. So plenty to get through, but first of all, a great pleasure to welcome to the pod today, Dan Bowden, a man who played about 13 seasons of professional rugby. He's had more clubs than Captain Caveman, and he's finally pulled the pin. Bowwell, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, mate. Thank you for the lovely introduction also. <laughs> mate, it feels like you've been around forever, buddy. What uh, was the final uh, nail in the coffin for you in terms of, of saying, right, I, I think I've, I've done enough? Um, it was actually quite a hard case moment. I was took my little boy's four-year-old son across to the park. We're kicking the ball around, just as you do, generally mucking around. And I came back inside, and he was off playing with Transformers or whatever. And I was sitting there thinking, I need to ice my ankle. And <laughs> uh, the reality is that the body had just said enough. Uh, so I wouldn't be able to uh, maintain the training load that was going to be upcoming in this year's Mighty 10 Cup. And, and I just don't think I'd be able to perform to a level which would be uh, where I wanted, and that means that would be that was time was time. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a brave man who knows that, mate. But I, I guess you can't argue with your body after a while. Just, I mean, take us through just some of the injuries that you've had to contend with. Certainly, um, more so over the last three or four seasons. Mate, I've had uh, so many injuries. I think I wrote in my uh, sort of little statement. Yeah, you know, I've had eleven surgeries. One was uh, non-rugby related, but yeah, the other ten. 10 were. Um, a lot of them came once I'd moved to the UK and the nature of the game up there was very contact based and obviously I was a smaller bloke running around. Um, some were freak accidents but I had two uh, ankle 
surgeries. One was microfracture, which is quite a long time to recover, and the other one was just a clean out of uh, some ruptured ligaments. And I have had uh, knee arthroscopy to remove some damaged cartilage. I've had a groin adductor uh, release, which means they cut the groin tendon and it sort of re-establishes itself. I've had a hamstring tendon off the bone, which is a six to seven month recovery. I've had a uh, hernia uh, as well, just similar after time after my groin injury. I've had uh, wrist surgery uh, for ruptured tendons in my wrist. Uh, I've had my face fractured in 14 places and one um, pretty horrific sort of accidental knee knock. Uh, so I've got a plate titanium plate down the side of my right cheek and under my eye and a full shoulder reconstruction uh, and I think that's probably about it and then appendix appendix out as well so all the time trying to play professional rugby can be a tough tough scenario. <laughs> uh, all you need is a big case of hemorrhoids mate and I think you've completed the set. So, um, <laughs> Dan was there ever a moment through all of this where you just thought to yourself maybe a professional rugby career I'm, I mean I'm laughing because you can laugh about it now and uh, uh, was there ever a time where you thought to yourself do you know what bugger this I'm, I'm going to go get an office job Oh, there's certainly there's times, but it sort of gets outweighed by the fact I just uh, love the game. I love the, uh, I love playing and competing, and um, it is a very uh, you know blessed lifestyle. And um, whilst you are rewarded for that, that's never the the reason. The reason is I, I genuinely just love playing the game, and mm-hmm. I was very sad, I guess, on the inside once I decided that my body couldn't carry on playing at that level. But it's still to say that I may not, I may run around and play some club rugby. At some stage, just just got to love being in and around the sport. It um, still gives me a great uh, sense of enjoyment. Take me back to where it all began, mate. Let's uh, go back to the start of your passion for the game, or maybe maybe at high school level where you were, um, where you played for a decent school. Was was that the catalyst for you to think about becoming a professional rugby player, or did it start even earlier than that? Oh, look, I was sort of obsessed with rugby from a very young age, sort of like five or six. I can remember um, going to watch. Uh, like amateur club rugby, I think Maris was playing Ponsonby in a, in a sort of club game, and there would have been 15 All Blacks across both teams, and that was pretty impressive. Um, might have been like the 1993 game, so I would have been very young. Uh, and then secondly, I went to school with quite a bit. So I went to school with Brian Fox. So we went to Podcast Bay Primary together, and uh, the son of Grant. And I just spent a couple of weekends at, at Grant's house, Grant and Bell Fox's house um, in Waterview in Auckland there, and. I was fortunate enough to go into sort of changing rooms and uh, hang out with Ryan and, and obviously Grant after some Auckland Modern Team Cup games or NPC games in those days, which sort of just lit the fuse, I guess, in terms of uh, my passion and you being surrounded by this. And it was very cool uh, to be around <laughs> sort of the, that that era of Auckland rugby, which was uh, obviously very, very dominant. And then, as you say, I made a Auckland grammar. Uh, I was very fortunate to play alongside a, a, a number of uh, players that I looked up to, like the Ben Artingas, Ethan Mathiwa, Benson Stanley type people I went to school with. So then when I saw how they were progressing, it obviously just continued my desire to, to become professional rugby. And it was helpful, obviously, successful at the school period. You know, we had a very good school side and won a lot of games and I made representative teams and it just sort of grew from there, I guess. Do you, can you count now the number of clubs you played for, both at uh, Super Rugby level, Mitre 10 Cup level and uh, obviously over in uh, England as well, Dan, or have you lost track? No, look, I want to explain this to you. So when I uh, first started, as you remember, this is winding the clock back now, you couldn't do franchise contracting, so you had to play in the region, right? So 
I played for Northland, obviously, out of school, which because I was a very impatient young man and I wanted to play uh, NPC footy straight out of school, which I was very grateful for them to give me the opportunity. I had to sign to a target to play for the Highlanders and then uh, I generally moved around. I was very fortunate enough. I, I found that professional rugby was professional and I understood uh, how I saw it, I think, maybe earlier than some people mm. some age. I know that it's a business and I chose to move on purpose two places so that I could A, experience different places around the world and live, but also um, to be successful in those teams. And I wasn't really, I was fortunate enough never to sort of get like cut or dropped and sort of said, oh, look, we don't want you. I was just, I chose where I wanted to go, which was yeah. something that I was, I was quite proud of. Um, but you, you were lucky I, in that respect, yeah. Dan, weren't you? I mean, a lot of players don't get that opportunity, but you you always, I think that was one of the skills you had as a, as a professional um, you, you could pick and choose where you wanted to go. And I think a lot of guys get set uh, by geography or by uh, identity with a certain area, but you, you never had that hang-up. No, no, exactly. Look, I, as I say, I understood the reality of professional rugby um, at a younger age. I think it's just because I had some good examples of people uh, explaining to me situations, you know, if you get injured, what happens next, etc. Uh, mm. So I used that. Uh, sort of mentality to, to travel and to see the world and have opportunities that I necessarily may not have on. The, the decision I made to leave the Crusaders in 2010 um, was a very tough one at the time. I, I was receiving a fair bit of uh, sort of all black interest and I decided still to hit a go away because I wasn't going to be in that World Cup uh, 2011 side. And then next thing you know, there was a handful of injuries and I was sort of unavailable because I was playing in the UK. And there's always going to be little things here and there that you could have done or, or would have done, but um, I was comfortable that I wanted to experience different things and I got to play like several different continents and play in Japan and, mm. and I was very fortunate, but um, yeah, it was strategic at the same time, so I was lucky. It wasn't just your professional sporting career that was paramount in your house either. Your your wife as well had a professional sporting career too, so how did you find the balance? Uh, tough, very tough, and at times obviously uh, conflicting schedules, etc. So my wife Haley played... Uh, football for the football friends and kept in that side for, for about a decade and went to Olympics and World Championship stuff. So I was very much uh, the, the tier two athlete in our house, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, she, uh, she took the international recognition. But look, it was good. We went to the UK. Funny enough, she was based in Auckland. I was playing for the Hollanders and, and based in Dunedin. And we were spending more time apart until we left the country. We got to spend more time together, which was in London. I played for London Irish and she played for Chelsea. And, and things were ticking off that on the same as you went, oh, I moved to Leicester. She played for Nottingham Forest. So we got to do things like that. Obviously, she got to achieve her professional dream as well. And again, same in Japan. I played for Yamaha and she played for a team called Iwata Bonita, which was another professional side. So combining the two was, um, was a big part of the deal as well. Dan, uh, I won't keep you too long here on the short ball today. Um, it has been an incredible career in so many ways for you, not just because of the experience you've had, but uh, the teams you've got to play with and I guess the players you've got to play against. Are there, are there some that stand out for you in terms of the, the toughest guys you've ever come up against? Um, oh, certainly. Look, I, got, I was very fortunate to get to play Super Rugby against you know, the, the George Mr. Sterling Mortlocks, uh, those the Heineken, so those people at the, at the, the peak of their, mm. the Brian Havana's, the peak of the Bulls era, that sort of stuff, but he's both a bit from that field. Uh, obviously, I got to move to the UK, mate, and I was playing 10 uh, at the time. I got to line up against in consecutive weekends against Ronan Agar at Munster, uh, Tottenham Park, you know, sold out uh, stadium like that and singing Fields of Bath and Rye, and those experiences, uh, although maybe not be the toughest in terms of the people just tough, 
introduction to sort of technical and tactical parts of the game up there. And then the following week, I played against Toulon, uh, sold out against Johnny Wilkinson. Um, so, you know, it was incredible to go and play from some of the best, the side of the world to some of the best over there. And those are certainly moments that I, that I do remember and cherish. Mate, finally uh, from you today, what, what advice for young guys coming through? I know that you're going to stay with the game in some way, shape or form. In fact, I think you've got to head off pretty soon to do some coaching. But, but what advice to guys coming through now and, and embarking upon a professional career do you feel qualified to give? Oh, I think at the heart of it, I just had a discussion this morning from 8 to 9.30 regarding you know key pillars for success uh, in the sort of young rugby, rugby players. I think... Uh, don't overlook the fact of enjoyment. Like you've got to really enjoy what you're doing and you really want to play the game because you love it. This day and age, I think a lot of young men have got presented opportunities to play, you know, either code, maybe rugby, rugby league and, and sort of take whatever financial scenario is best for you. I think if you enjoy the game, a lot of the other boxes are going to get ticked on along the way. So making sure you enjoy it is paramount for me. Um, and the second one is just not being a rush. If, if you're not the biggest, strongest, or fastest right now, there's uh, now still... The, the pathways are still being shaped so that people will come through later, later development, and that's happened a lot. So I think just, just enjoy it and, and play rugby for the right reasons, and then the rest will catch, catch you to tell. Oh, mate, well, we congratulate you, buddy, and um, enjoy life after rugby, at least after playing rugby, and uh, good luck with your coaching this morning, buddy. I will do too much, yes, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Yes, Dan Bowden joining us after announcing his retirement from the game after 13 seasons of professional rugby, which saw him play for pretty much every club on the planet. But uh, he's a man who's always had a smile on his face, and I know that he's going to have a long involvement with the game as well. You're on the Short Baller Rugby Pass podcast, and we're changing topics now. Uh, it's been a big week for rugby and diversity, and also a big week uh, for the Black Ferns with the announcement of double headers against their Australian rivals during the rugby championship. Joining us now is world champion fullback for the Black Ferns, Salika Winiata. Hello to you, Shorty. Good morning, Timo. How are you? I'm very well. Have you caught some criminals today? I know you're on the beat. So uh, have you have you been putting some baddies behind bars? Oh, yeah, no, banks always are pretty useful. Um, but, you know, whenever we do that, it creates paperwork, so we have to be careful <laughs> how we go about our business. I agree with that. Speaking of going about your business, uh, Shorty, uh, the launch uh, a couple of days ago of the new All Blacks and Black Ferns joint commercial, first time ever, uh, with AIG celebrating diversity or tackling diversity. Um, a massive occasion, I think, uh, not just for New Zealand rugby, but, but for the women involved in our game. Uh, talk us through that campaign and the Black Ferns' involvement with it. Yeah, look, I think it's probably come at quite a timely time, I guess, um, with what's happening um, in the sporting world um, over these ways. But, um, you know... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think ARG's initiative, um, you know, was to go to Japan and um, get this diversity campaign up and running. So a lot of us were over there um, with some of the All Blacks and... It's just about making sure that, you know, everyone's treated as equal, um, no matter what background you've come from, what size you are, um, that, you know, nothing should get in the way and we shouldn't be, um, you know, judging people for who they are. And I think, um, you know, to be able to put that black jersey on and to be able to pull, pull it and see the effect of the rainbow colours um, was pretty special. And I think for you know, everyone, not just here in New Zealand, but all over the world, to be able to see that video, um, I think, has got people um, thinking and um, so many people supporting it. Do you know, Salika, one of the things about the Black Ferns that has always struck me is that diversity has just never been a conversation. If, if in, in terms of it being a negative, it's always been an acceptance of sexuality. It's always been an acceptance of uh, background in terms of race. Uh, there is just that never seems to have been an issue with the Black Ferns or the Black Ferns Sevens teams. Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I'd have to agree with you, yes, Samo. I don't think that we've really ever had to overcome those issues. Uh, I think that we've always felt that we've been um, treated, you know, just the same. We've been given opportunities to play test matches just like the All Blacks. And I think to be able to do a campaign with our male counterparts um, was pretty special. Mm. It's not often that we get to do, uh, you know, ads, um, you know, or short videos um, with them. And I think it's great to see, and I hope it continues. And um, you know, it's it's only going to be good for the game. Yeah, and I guess more so the the question denote or applies to within the team itself, though, Shorty. I know you guys have still got issues around. Uh, growing the game so it could become a fully fledged uh, fledged professional sport for women here, but but I I meant more inside the team. There there just doesn't seem to be a conversation like this uh, in terms of within the Black Ferns camp itself regarding individuals, uh, who they are, how they're put together, what they're made of, and uh, and what they do with their lives outside of rugby. Is would that be a fair statement to make? Yeah, it would be. And to be fair, I think you know you look at the Black Ferns winning the last World Cup, you know, people might think, oh, we had far strong, you know, fit girls on the team. Well, here we did, but a lot of it comes down to off-field, uh, the team culture, and that's something that our Black Ferns team had. You know, when we're off the field, we respected each other for who we were. Uh, you know, we, we had so many different ethnicities, um, different relationships, but, you know, to us, uh, that's not something that we judge someone on. Mm. Um, we're there to support each other. And I guess, you know, yeah, we, we're so strong. We've got a strong bind. Um, and our team culture is just amazing. And to be fair, that's what helps us to win games when we go to, you know, take the field with each other um, because we know that we've got that, that trust and that mm. confidence in each other. And, um, yeah, it's something special. certainly is. It looks that way. Speaking of something special, uh, officially announced just yesterday a double header against Australia, one in New Zealand, one in Sydney. Um, this is what you guys have been desperate to get, isn't it? 
very desperate. Mm. You know, we it's not often that we get to play Australia, um, but when we do, you know, why not? Why can't we be, uh, you know, staring on the field um, at the same time that the Bledisloe is happening between the All Blacks? And um, I hope that this is something that will turn into um, happening yearly. Mm. Um, there's no reason why it can't. And the way that women's rugby is going, um, I think it's going to be a positive and a right step forward. Absolutely. I mean, I'm really looking forward to those matches. And, and I guess the rivalry, it helps women's sport to have a rivalry. We're seeing that, aren't we, with the Blackfern Sevens team at the moment, Salika, and their ongoing rivalry with Australia, which uh, the, the New Zealand side came out on top and again uh, in Japan on the weekend. But you need those strong rivalries in women's sport, and in fact, any sport. So how do you build that? Is this a pathway to making sure that you have strong women's teams around the world that create the excitement? Yeah, you know, like you don't just want to have one or two strong teams in the world. You want it to be a competition no matter who you're taking on. And I guess, you know, for Australia, they've been in um, the same position as us where we struggle to get test matches yearly. And it seems to only be World Cup year that we get decent test matches. But that's a bit little too late um, and you know they've taken a great initiative um, moving forward from the last World Cup they've now got super teams up and running for the women's um, side and you know I hope you know next year that that can be us um, as well because that's the only way you're going to grow the women's game and get stronger competition so I mean you know come come the time to play those two test matches against Australia people might you know kind of write Aussie off but um they're going to be pretty difficult. You know, they've got super games at the moment. And uh, what does New Zealand have? Club rugby. So, um, you know, we've got a lot, lot of work to do um, prior to that uh, with the camps that we've got coming up. But it's going to be one of those things where you're right. It's going to be who is going to win. Is it going to be New Zealand or is it going to be Aussie? It's going to be New Zealand, Shorty. Don't leave me hanging like that, for goodness sake. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate. I know you're going to be at the forefront of that uh, continued fight uh, to make sure that uh, the women's game is front and centre. Salika, congratulations on the campaign and also on the news uh, that you guys will be playing those test matches on the biggest stages uh, later this year. Cool. Thank you. Salika Winiata there, world champion, Blackfern, a wonderful ambassador for the game, full stop, but also for women's rugby. She fights tirelessly to make sure that there is acceptance she also brought up the fact that Australia took the initiative after the World Cup and created Super Rugby women's teams. Well, here he is, the man who called that big final for the uh, Super Rugby women's competition between New South Wales and Queensland. Something's never changed in Australian sport. It's Andrew Swain out of Fox Sports Australia. Swainy, hello to you. Hello, Sumo. What a final it was, mate. It was an absolute beauty. Mate, I've just had Salika Winiata, our world champion, winning uh, Blackfern's fullback. She was talking about the fact that most of our women players now are looking across the ditch and saying, hey, they're getting it happening. Why can't we? Uh, the Super Rugby Women's Competition, for starters, as a general concept, what has been the reaction to it? Mate, it's all been positive, to be honest. Um, but, you know, the... There is still a lot to work on for this competition. Uh, obviously, it's first year. There's a lot of kinks that need to get ironed out. Mm -hmm. But as a concept, uh, nothing but positivity around the comp. Um, 
you know, the women themselves who are playing in this competition have, have just seen drastic improvement mm-hmm. over the last six weeks, which is, you know, really good for the Australian women's team. Uh, and it's good for the international competition as well because it'll make the Wallaroos a better team when they come up against the Black Ferns. But, look, just total positivity around it, you know, but there's still a few things to be ironed out, but it's been really good. Swanee, let's talk about the final then uh, because uh, they couldn't have been closer. Oh, double extra time. So, I mean, <laughs> Queensland scored. Yeah, oh, exactly. And Golden Point as well. Um, Queensland scored two brilliant tries um, to New South Wales, just the one try. But uh, Ash Hewson, the fullback for New South Wales, kept them honest with the boot. And, uh, and then she pulled off one of the all-time great try-saving tackles right at the death to send it into extra time. Uh, and then uh, it was, uh, you know, tit for tat for, for 10 minutes, uh, five minutes each way, and then uh, picked up the penalty in front, uh, right on the buzzer and kicked it to, to win. So, uh, and I absolutely blew a gasket. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time you've blown a gasket in a commentary box, Swaney, but uh, well played, sir, well played. Look, I mean, inarguably, and, and I mean this, and I'm going to put it as delicately as I can, that final was the highlight for Australian rugby last weekend. Mate, absolutely. It was it was a horrid weekend other than the Super W final. Look, you know, the Tars losing by 29 points to nil against the Lions. The, the Rebels got dusted by the Bulls overseas. The Chiefs smashed the Reds into oblivion at Suncorp. And then uh, to round out the weekend, the Huck Juarez, who... You know, they're actually starting to come pretty good, the Huggwaras, but they, they beat the Brumbies. So, oh, it was pretty ugly scene for Aussie rugby. And, look, I don't know where we go from here, really. It was, I think over the last two years, we've seen a couple of whitewashes where not an Aussie team has won. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's pretty ugly. But I just hope that this is the bottom. And, you know, the best thing about the bottom is you can, it's hard and you can push off it, right? Well, that's right, mate. And uh, yeah, I think there is only one way up. And I mean, the fact that it comes after a week of soul searching for the game over there, um, after the Israel Falau fallout as well, that, that kind of helped. I mean, where, where do you see the game at, at, at the moment, Swanee? Because I, I know you're heavily engaged with rugby. You're really passionate about it. And you're not the only one. There's lots of fans over there who just want to see a way through. So, where are we at right now in terms of people being engaged with the code, certainly with Super Rugby and with Australian rugby in general? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sam. I look, it's hurting, it's hurting over here. Um, and, and you know, I was up in Japan a couple of weeks ago for a mm. Sunwolves game, and and um, walking out of the game, I just I got I got reinvigorated in the game. You know, when you when you leave a game of footy and you're like. Gee, maybe we didn't win, but how good was that? And that yeah. hasn't happened here in Australia for a while. Like yeah. you, go, you go to a Waratahs game or, or to a Brumbies game and you walk out of there and you're like, that was crap. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas up, up in Japan, for example, the, you know, the Sunwolves, they're getting pumped every week, but they still love the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that engagement of Super Rugby in Australia at the moment, it's, it's waning. Um, where, where rugby is really strong at the moment, um, is club footy and people are actually starting to they'd rather spend their 15 bucks to get into a, a club footy game um, than spend 40 bucks and go to a, a super rugby game and and their kids can run around on the field at half time there's mm. jumping tassels there's there's you know there's great food there's a barbie and you know it's so that that 
area of the game at a grassroots level here is, is really strong. It's like, it's, um, like the, it's, it's like the People's Revolution, mate. But you guys were calling for that, weren't you, over the last couple of years, saying you know, Australian rugby's lost touch with the grassroots fan. It, it is almost like the peasant uprising here. We're going to go back to club. We're going to make club rugby strong. We're going to build this from the bottom again. Mate, absolutely. And that's what's happening at the moment. Um, it's such a strong competition, the Shoot Shield. And, and the Brisbane Premier Rugby competition is you know, not far behind that as well. And people are going back. They're loving it. Um, you know, that, and that's where they're re-engaging with the game. And, and just, I don't know how to do it. I don't know the magic pill. Um, I don't know what it is. But to connect that with Super Rugby is the answer at the moment we need to look for. And, and we just, I don't know what it is, though. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I hope that there's, there's people in higher places with big pay packets who are paid to, to find those answers. I hope they're looking for it. No one's got a bigger pay packet than you, Andrew Swain. Come on, buddy. Well, <laughs> but, mate, maybe maybe Clarky, but he's been hogging that for a long time. Swainy, it's great to talk to you, mate. I know that there is an answer for Australian rugby, and I'm sure it is going to get better. It was a tough watch, and I, I can say on behalf of all fans of the game, we certainly hope you guys uh, find your groove again, mate, because uh, we need you. We need you. Oh, mate, me too. I'm really hoping. Fingers crossed, eh? Cheers, Swainy. Great talking to you, buddy. You too, mate. Thanks for that. Andrew Swain, they're out of Fox Sport Australia talking about the Super W final between New South Wales and Queensland. Selika Winniata also joining us on the short ball today to discuss the new diversity campaign and also the Black Ferns and Wallaroos announcement. They will be playing double hitters alongside the All Blacks and the Wallabies. And earlier, Dan Bowden joining us on the short ball as well to talk about some of the lessons he's learnt in a 13-year professional career. That's been the short ball for this week. Make sure you get to rugbypass.com if you want to check any of the action from the next round of Super Rugby. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.